Hey, welcome to this episode of More with Murphy. In this episode, my oldest son Jackson uh, and I have the privilege of sitting down with Coach Brett Norris, uh, head varsity basketball coach at Hilliard Bradley High School. You'll hear about the program and the records. Uh, it's absolutely extraordinary, the accomplishments on and off the court Coach Norris has brought. But this episode really dives into culture and what does it mean to build a team and to build a winning culture. So no matter what you lead, we all lead something, but if you would live life with other people to accomplish a common goal, I think there are so many things you're gonna enjoy listening to in this conversation. We sat down a few weeks ago, it was just before the Super Bowl, so we referenced a few fun things related to that, but we wanted to release it uh, here for March Madness, a very special time of the year. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Coach Norris, Jackson, and myself. Coach, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. And I have something, this is Coach Brett Norris. I have something um, that's a little bit of fun trivia. I think our paths crossed longer before either one of us might have realized it. You played basketball at St. Francis, Indiana. Uh, I know you had an amazing career, all-time leading scorer. You've had incredible success as a player and a coach, as we'll get into. But what years were you at St. Francis? Uh, the 88-89 season would have been my freshman year, and then the last year that I played would have been the 91-92 season. And then you, so you graduated high school what year? 88. Okay, so did I. Hey, when's your birthday? November 28th. November 20th. I'm January 6th. Okay. I'm January 6th, uh, 70. Okay. So we are literally, you're How like, about what? That? You're one month apart from Brett Favre, and we're so- Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> He's October. I'm a Packer fan. I know that. Right. Um, but I well, went to, I'm sorry then. Yeah, yeah. What a horrific ending. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> I went to Indiana Wesleyan my first two years to play baseball. I went to every. Did you guys play? Sure. Indiana yeah, Wesleyan. Yep. Yeah. Home and home. So we would have played at your place both years. Yeah. That you were there. How so about that? isn't that nutty? Yeah. A really good friend of mine played there. Uh, then uh, from Franklin Monroe, Ohio, was a good friend of mine and so good that I can't think of his name, Steve yeah. something. Yeah. So I don't know if you know that name, but he always guarded me. Like I just, I remember those games actually pretty well because of our relationship back in high school and then then playing college against him too. So how yeah, about that? Crossroads League, that, that's an amazing, that's there's a great good league. talent there. Yeah, great league. Crazy. Anyway, yeah, we're both old now, but we crossed paths <laughs> that many years mm -hmm. ago. Hey, another thing I thought we'd do, we're going to start off with a little game called This or That, all right? And we're going to do, I'm going to do a couple, Jay's going to do a couple, okay. and Jackson obviously is here as a former player of yours. Um, but when was the first year you could dunk? Uh, I think I dunked a volleyball my senior year in high school, and then by the time I got to college, occasionally, never, never in a game, but occasionally when I was feeling good, I could dunk. Like the after practice, something like around that. Yes. Yeah. Like, okay. like players still do today, yeah. Yeah, okay, so here's the this or that. One foot or two? Two. Really? Two, yeah. Okay, so you're a two foot jumper. Yes. There's a story behind that though. There was back when, back uh, guys our age might remember, remember the strength shoes? Yes. Cosmo Kramer made them uh, famous. So under the balls of the feet? Correct. So yeah. I almost, remember these. You do? You I don't? don't. So, they were really popular until guys started breaking their ankles in them. <laughs> but what it did is it forced you to be on the balls of your feet. But a lot of the training that came with the strength shoes involved a lot of two foot jumping. So that's, that's why. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Second question. And I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Man to man or zone man. Well, I got to ask, have you ever played a zone? We have really, 
we have we uh, we we um, we had it in the defensive package early in my career. Inevitably, every time we'd go to it, just to just to change Switch the rhythm up. of the game, we mm -hmm. would give up a score. Uh, typically speaking, which I'm still wired like that, I would blame it on the assistant that maybe recommended it, and then I would swear we'd never go to it again. But we did. Uh, we we won one huge game with it uh, when I was still in Delphi. So many years ago, won a huge game in our league. Uh, we were so overmanned, we had to go zone, and we won a game playing it exclusively. We played one possession of man, believe it or not, wow. Jackson, that <laughs> night. And then the year we won the state tournament, we played it uh, probably half of the fourth quarter in the district championship game. So it has done us some good from time to time, but we have not played a possession of it. I'm not sure we've played any of it at Bradley. Maybe a little bit, yeah. but not very often. It's not, it's not the preference. It is not the preference. <laughs> not, not enough accountability. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. That's awesome. And then what was the other one? Shorts. High shorts or low shorts? Oh, well, uh, you know, as Ken would know, I played in the era of high shorts. It's like the but Fab now, Five era. Yeah, not now for sure. Now I'm more long short. And okay. I will say that when... When long shorts came in, especially uh, at the end of my playing career and then in coaching where we couldn't order them long enough, we'd order them long and our players still wanted them to be longer. I really, I remember, you know, everything what goes around comes mm -hmm. around, but I, re I remember saying that one thing that will never come back are short shorts and here we are. Yep. Now we rolling can't order them, them Kids short Kids are rolling enough. them. They're they rolling them no matter how shorter. short we, we order them. So we are gonna get, I hope, new uniforms next year. And I've already told Peyton and those guys, like, look, we're going to order them short enough. No one is going to roll these. <laughs> Too expensive. All right. Now, this one could be the most important question you answer this entire day. <clears throat> you will be helping to settle, I think, some controversy in my own home. And we've all agreed that Coach Norris is the most knowledgeable basketball mind that we know. So this or that, one or the other, here it is, Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. No hesitation. No hesitation. And it, here's the thing. I, I like at this point, I think LeBron's career is the best of all time. The body of work is the best. But and th this is an argument at, in our house almost well during quarantine daily. Um, I think you could even at times if you broke down each individual aspect of the game, you could make a good case that LeBron wins more of those categories. The way I always settle the argument is if 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 uh, a significant amount of money were involved, I'm taking Jordan to win the game. And and again, I just people from my year once he got to the top, we never saw him fail again. And so there there's something about uh, you can't be as great as either one of them without such a psychological advantage to go with everything else that they have. But to me, Jordan was the just the ultimate winner. And I'm picking him if I've got to bet big money in one game over LeBron. But it is getting narrower. It's getting narrower. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. All right. Oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not unanimous. <laughs> I, I assume that, yeah. Okay, I got two more for you. <clears throat> this is mine. Uh, and we got into a huge – in fact, I even took it to social media to settle it. It was very generational. Uh, Larry Bird, Steph Curry. Wow. You know, my dad, God rest his soul, would not like this answer, but I'll take <laughs> I'll take Steph. Okay. Wow. But but again, I love Larry Bird. And then this last one came from Peyton, which 
you only have one from Peyton? I would assume I, you'd have hundreds. I, I narrowed it down. I narrowed it down to one, which is funny because at school and in basketball, he's only known as Murph. Right. Uh, but it's at home, we call him Peyton. Anyway, he said, ask coach this one, Baker Mayfield or Tom Brady? <laughs> well, I'd love to say Baker, but unfortunately, I'll have to go with that. And the guys know I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, but uh, – you know, the one team other than uh, the Jaguars, the Ramblers, that I root the hardest for is the Browns. So I'd love to say Baker, but I'll give it to Tom Brady for now. Uh, Coach, you you did have an incredible career. Uh, you coached, then got into coaching. You were at Delphus. Great success. Won a state title. Um, it really kind of started your family, you know, kind of growing and your profession. <clears throat> you coach locally here. Uh, at Derby for a little bit, you are an assistant at Upper Arlington, you've coached at the collegiate level. And where I want to focus in is for the last six years, six years ago, you stepped in and took over the Bradley program. The, and I'm going back through, and again, we'll get into it a little bit. We lived a little bit of that transition. Uh, Jackson's sophomore year, the team won one game. His junior year, they won nine in the history of the school, which what was it, six years old maybe at that mm -hmm. time, they had never had double-digit wins in boys' basketball. The first year you stepped in, 20 and 5, 18 and 6, 24 and 2, 25 and 2, 22 and 2. Last year, 25 and 2, and the team was playing the best they had played. I believe they're one game from the final four and the team they were going to play we had had success twice earlier in the year. That's a record the first six years of 134 and 19. 134 and 19. Yeah. Didn't lose a league game over the course of like five years, like 62 in a row. That That is incredible. You're coach of the year from the state of Ohio uh, just a few years back, all of, all of Division One, all of Ohio. I want to hear... How did you do that? Because we've got listeners, they're marketplace leaders, um, just in our families. We're all leading something. And I think if we're honest, each of us can identify either a part of our personal life, organizations, people we lead. That That is, I, will, I don't know if I should call it miraculous or crazy, but it's certainly not normal to have such a radical turnaround. I want to organizationally, what went into that for you? Well, I, I think, you know, I came into the job with an advantage in that the time at Darby, certainly, uh, you know, the time at Darby, those six years, and then having three years, I, I was at Upper Arlington. And then, you know, I coached collegiately, but I really just recruited. I mean, I was on the floor some, but I, I had the better part of two years to reflect on um, you know, some of our shortcomings at, at Darby, some of the decisions we could have made to, to build that program better, to continue to study the game. Because I, I didn't get out in that little gap, never, you know, I always knew I wanted to get back into it. it was, I wasn't getting out to get out. So I was con you know, consistently studying the game. And, and to, get, so to get a job in the same school district, uh, to have a much better feel for, for how to build the program. I had a clear vision of how we were going to build it uh, when we got the job at Bradley. So I would start by saying, you know, everybody, everybody hits, 
you know, a tee shot better when they know they have a mulligan. And I had that mulligan, so to speak. And, and I, so I thought, first of all, starting with me, I had a much clearer vision of how we wanted to build it. And then, you know, secondly, it's, it's always about people. Mm. And, and uh, the, the coaching staff, starting with Greg Alaco, that we were able to put together in the first year was, was filled with such a great combination of competency, experience, youth, um, but then I think the overwhelming thing we had is passion. I think Jax could probably speak to that. I, we were maybe over the top that way and getting it started. But the, you know, the, the one thing that I, at that time, our, our players, our first group, uh, whether, whether they liked everything, because it was a radical change for them, uh, whether they liked it all, uh, the one thing I don't think that they could ever look at us and say, okay, they, they don't have a plan and, and certainly they don't lack passion. And I think you think about leadership, being competent is important. You know, I think that young people, uh, uh, certainly even young people are intelligent enough to understand when someone's in front of them, whether, whether they, uh, they have a clear plan, a clear vision, whether they, uh, appear to, to really understand what they're talking about and the direction they're trying to take you. And then I, like, I just think, especially for young people, um, genuine passion, genuine concern, genuine. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you can fake that. I don't think you can script that. Um, I, I feel in some respects that I've been blessed to just have that. And, and again, we, we were able to starting with Greg, he was such a, such a, has been such an integral part of our success. Um, you know, just, just to fill our staff full of people like that, like-minded individuals. And then, you know, ultimately the most important people in our entire journey have been the players and it, nobody else is second or even close as, as second, including our staff. And, uh, you know, our, our first group of guys in Jackson was, was, you know, uh, one of our foundational guys that's led us to have all the success, uh, you know, kind of blindly followed us. I think those are the words that I use the first meeting is I'm just asking you to have a little blind faith. And, uh, you know, I thought that we would earn their trust over time if they would just initially just kind of follow us blindly. And so it, it's, you know, oftentimes you talk about culture and you can slice it up in a lot of different ways and word it in a lot of different ways. And, and there are very creative people that have formalized all that, but, uh, you know, I think it just comes down to people. Now, how you get to where, uh, how do you get to those people is the challenge, but we've just been starting with our first group. We've been so blessed to have such good, high character young men. And obviously that starts from, from their homes and the way they were raised and something about the way we've done things has attracted just high character, hardworking, selfless, uh, young people. Hmm. I think the idea of blind faith that you hit on is so true because that's almost, I mean, that's exactly what we were experiencing. Because when you had stepped into the program, I, I think in life and leadership, once you start to experience success and once you really start to gain that momentum, that's when you, you really start to develop that passion inside of you. And we were at a place where like, we had experienced different individual accolades, mm. but how how did you like, wrap us around this idea of having blind faith, not even necessarily in what we can accomplish as individuals, but we could actually start winning games and have a, a great season. Well, I, I, you know, I go back to, 
and a lot of the things that as a player you're not privy to, but the you know whether the staff meetings as we were building our staff and, and the message starting you know with me of course and, and certainly seconded by Greg who was you know had the had similar experience in the game is 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 how important every meeting, every practice, every weight room workout to to, to stand in front of you. And again, demonstrate that we have a plan, that we have a vision. We are enthusiastic. We are in the fight with you. Mm -hmm. I, and again, I, I think that that's, as a young person, you can feel whether that's genuine or not. I, the people that we had hired were so enthusiastic about what we were doing. Let me ask that, a quick question. Yeah. Can you train and develop that? Or is it either guys have it or they don't? My experience is guys tend to have it or they don't, uh, the best that I've been around, um, they have a difficult time sometimes describing where that comes from, uh, that level of passion, the level of intrigue that, you know, about coaching and about leading and about being around young people and trying to motivate and inspire young people to be the best version of themselves. Certainly, you know, you read, you listen to podcasts, you talk to other people, you witness other people that have it, and that can bring out more mm -hmm. of it from you. But I, I do think, um, by and large, it, it can be developed. But my experience, and even with younger coaches that we've taken on and that have been the kind of people we want, and sometimes it doesn't work out, is when they come to us with, with, with a great burning passion about what we're doing, those are the guys that we can tend to develop. And when mm -hmm. people don't have that, uh, it, it is, it's, it's been a struggle, at least in my experience, if it doesn't start with passion and you know that is is one of our core values because i think the ability to learn the eagerness to learn all stems from a passion and you know as i've gotten older and 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 with the experience i've gained and certainly the success that we have had people tend to to think that i have a formula for how i've arrived and it really like it just stemmed from it's what my dad did the, from the moment I saw or heard the ball bounce, the the sound of a you know the net, the ball going through it, just everything about the game, just I just loved it, and I still do. And uh, and the feeling you have around team, you just can't fake that. And so, anything I've learned from the game, it's just started with passion and how much I love it, and you want to continue to learn. So I think it's a difficult thing to to uh, you can't force it. But you give me someone with passion, and I think you can then really develop that. Well, we could talk about <clears throat> restaurants locally. We can talk about, uh, you know, different stores. They all have a culture. Yeah. And there's a certain expectation. <clears throat> and the question is, we all know what it is, but how do you develop it? And that's, I think that's the challenge of organizations, business leaders, coaches, we have three boys. We've played a lot of sports, a lot of different sports, and some teams have it. And the thing that's so intriguing to me, this is not just a team. It's a program. I mean, you've had a lot of great players come and go and go through the system, but to have that measure and this, we haven't gotten into the personal success or influence on players' lives. This is just wins and losses. Yeah. <clears throat> that's... um. There ha it's bigger than an, we had a stud come through and we rode his coattail. Right. 
you got a lot of varying skill level players sure. buying into this program. I'm like, you got what, 15, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids that are showing up to practice 35 minutes early. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think there are several things that, in my opinion, that we misunderstand about developing culture. I think most people, when you start thinking about culture, they think about fun. They think about let's you know we're going to have pizza and we're going to play games, and and what I would say is there's yeah there's a time and a place for that, and typically speaking, the time and a place becomes more appropriate because everybody's excited about spending additional time with the people that they're with. So how you get there is hard. I think that's where we misinterpret it. I think it's I think it's really hard. I think uh, and I Jackson could speak. To this, we 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 now joke about it. We've gotten smarter with what we ask of our players from a work habit standpoint. Uh, but we, we, I mean, our our first year was it was right on that edge of okay, are we asking too much of teenagers? But you know, we we wanted to develop a culture where grit, where real toughness and a work ethic, and being held accountable to that, to being at your best every day. Uh, was was at the core of who we wanted to be, and and I you know that that goes way beyond basketball, as we can all attest to as adults how important it is to have grit, how important it is to have grit in the times that we're in right now, and um, that that's hard, and and I think also it is is it, and I think this is key. It's exclusive. I think it's important that the people like a Jackson Murphy that are going to help you lay the foundation understand that. You know, there are certain things that are non-negotiable. And while everybody can come in, to use an analogy, and take take the car for a test drive, we're not going to sell to everybody. Mm. In that regard, it has to be exclusive. I think that's important. I think for the higher-achieving people on, in our program, in a business, I, you know, y- you will feel much greater ownership if you are all in, if you are super invested, if you know that it's real. So that as a high achiever, if you see someone else, even someone more talented, that is not true to the core of your organization and able to stay and able to get the same opportunities, I think that's where, I think that's where cultures suffer. I think that's where teams suffer. I think that's where teams splinter. And, and that's hard. And, and, and there are a lot of young men over the years that have played in our programs that I really like, uh, that have enough talent to play for us. But for whatever reason, to each his own, our culture, the way we've done things has not been for them. And I think that, you know, you have to fight for your culture every day as a leader. I, fight. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a word. But as actions, it's hard. I mean, at 51... I have a greater appreciation for young people now than I ever have. And sometimes the decisions I made in my 20s and 30s that I just made them. And I didn't I didn't have any regret when I knew they were right. Now, you know, I'll still make the tough decision, but there's a softer spot in my heart when you particularly when you have kids and you raise a family, I think you you have a little more compassion. And I'm not saying we don't have compassion, and I'm not saying guys can't get extra or second chances. But, but I do think that word exclusive, I think our guys, and, and, and Jackson, you could speak on it, Peyton could speak on it, I think, they, I think they feel a certain sense of pride when they put our gear on mm-hmm. that it isn't for everybody. And, and that is an overwhelming 
uh, sense of pride that can really elevate you and take you to another level. And then, and then uh, it, 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 again, it goes all back to together. You asked about team earlier. How do you do that? Uh, you, you have to live it every day. And, and uh, I, I think you also have to over go over and above praising those that don't get the the external praise. You know, for us, uh, look, Keaton Norris, a player that's highly productive, a player that the average basketball fan recognizes because he's putting the ball in the hoop. He, he's going to get some recognition. Peyton who's not going to get nearly as many opportunities and his value to our team doesn't show up to the average basketball person. It's not going to show up always in a box score, but his value. And I, and again, we're not here to get technical with basketball, uh, as, as a member of our team and as a, a an invested member of our program, uh, is, is so great and, and, and so equal. And in some respects, because of that willingness to sacrifice, uh, in a way that's uncommon for young people in our sport uh, is, is, is very unique. It's very rare. And, and in our program, again, there's no formula. I can just tell you, you've been there in our film session and our day to day, the, the, the amount of praise that we try and it's genuine, it's, it's real to let those, those guys know um, I think that helps us build our team where everybody, I mean, we have a, we have a manager tier fiddler who is an, I mean, he is as value, a valuable member of our team and our program as anyone, including our players, our coaches. And, uh, I mean, we, we, we feel that and mm -hmm. we talk about it and I think our players feel that and, you know, uh, you know, continuing to praise the legends in our program, that's really helped us continue to build as, is, you know, I mean, it's no secret. The guys would tell you, you're one of my all time favorites. And so we, and you're not alone in that. We have so many good reference points for our young people to reference. And you've continued to give back, whether it's writing a letter or sending in a video. And, and so, um, I know now as I ramble, there are just so many things that are tied into that that helps promote the, 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 the togetherness and the team and the program and the willingness to give, mm -hmm. uh, give yourself, for the greater good. And, uh, and the beauty of that is it's such a strong life message, but in the sport of basketball, when, when it's played well, that's, that's kind of how it's played just like life. And that's why I think it's another thing that, uh, makes basketball so attractive team sports, so attractive to me. Yeah. When you talk about the value of the top guy and the bottom guy on the roster, that's something you have to intentionally develop. Cause I know I've been on, I've been on, many different teams, sports teams, working at different places, organizations, and your relationship with the captain and the last guy on the bench appears to be the exact same every season. What is it about that, that being intentional about that creates the Bradley basketball culture? Well, I, I do think that there's something to be said, and I can't, I can't give you the, whoever quoted it. I read it along the way that your culture uh, is truly established by those that you would uh, consider or the average person would consider at the top of the food chain. And in our sport, that would be the guys that produce and get the recognition and go off to college and play and all that. And it's also established just as equally by the people at the bottom of the food chain. Again, I use those terms by what you would perceive. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. And and so I, what I would say is, uh, look, I, you know, 
our players in our program have to choose to embrace our culture. And, you know, it would be a lie to say that every player, when we go in the film room, uh, it, would, it, it wouldn't be true to say that everyone is equally bought in. Um, they have to choose to, and it really is about embracing that. And it does not come easy to young players. It does not come easy in a sport where the first time you ever play it, the first question that a loved one's going to ask you that wasn't there is how many points mm -hmm. did you score? So to ask a player that, uh, to get them to understand that, okay, you, you, can, you can wave a towel and impact our team. You can sit in a film room and take good notes knowing that you might not play and impact the team. You can practice your tail off and work to get better and demonstrate that you are true to our core and impact your team in such a positive way. And I could go on and on and on. And, and so uh, what I would say is those guys uh, that have not played a ton but seen our program through, I, I have just an incredible appreciation for how rare that is. Mm -hmm. And I think that they know that. I think that, that that is, again, a genuine thing that they have to feel um, because it's so discussed and it's, it, you know, it, in our film room and with what we call 22 time and how we try to teach life through some video and other people talking about the value of, of high character and your ability to impact the group in every, every small way. There are so many ways. I mean, we, we one time did an exercise where we had our guys write all the different ways that they could impact the team and what you realize is putting the ball through the basket is such a small percentage of that. So again, it's it's hard to say that there's a formula to that. Uh, you know that I can be moved to tears easily, and I probably get most emotional showing my appreciation for the guys that don't get the recognition. But in our film room, um, and 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 in our program, I use you know Matt Hansen would be the ultimate fire, as we called him, the mm -hmm. ultimate guy that way. And uh, he, he's a legend in our program. He's mm -hmm. truly a legend. And he, he I, I don't know, but he, he, I don't know that he scored 10 points for our varsity team in his career and didn't play a lot, but, uh, but certainly had, had an equal impact to the Jackson Murphys and, yeah. and uh, Braden Norris's and the guys that have gotten maybe more recognition for, for their ability <clears throat> to produce. I've always said, I don't care if it's marriage, parenting, business success, whatever it is, a lot of times, people sit from a distance and they see the public accomplishment or recognition and say, oh, I want that. What they don't realize is the countless hours and the work. <clears throat> Again, I don't care if it's marriage, parenting, business success, career, whatever, the film study, breaking it down that goes in where no one, no one sees that. It's what contributes to the opportunity to, to experience that. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you put, uh, you know, if you drew a pyramid uh, to all of the things that the time that we spend just just with basketball alone, at the top of the pyra pyramid, at the narrowest spot would be the games we play. Um, if, if you think about the preparation, if you think about the time we spend training our bodies, the time we spend in the off season, the time yeah. we spend practicing, the time we spend, you know, watching film and preparation. The, the games are the smallest part of the time that we spend. And so as you're talking about those unseen hours, the, 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 you know, the, the average high school basketball person would have no idea how much time these kids have invested together. 
And, uh, and so the, the games are the reward for all of the hard work that they put in. And, and, uh, that, that's a, that's a constant battle, a constant struggle. It's not natural for, I don't think it's human nature for people, but let alone young people to be as invested in the process, um, as they need to be so that, you know, when we do get a chance to go compete, that the outcome hopefully ends up in our favor. And so there, there's so much time involved. And I, I think also that that's where you build those deep relationships that it takes to to have a one on one with a guy that perhaps doesn't play much and, and let them know mm-hmm. in a genuine way, a real way that I hope you know how much I appreciate and how much you are valued. And, uh, you know, th- those are those individual touches that you get with with players, with people in your organization, um, you know, out- outside of the business hours, so to speak, that are so mm-hmm. important just in terms of developing developing individual relationships that, of course, help you build the kind of culture you're after. Let me ask you this. Our organization, uh, we have multiple locations. It's a church. That's our setting. Um several thousand people. Uh, I'm thinking of a football team. I, I think there's a little bit of an advantage. You personally truly do know every single person. Right. I'm thinking of like the marketplace leader who might have a hundred re- people on their staff team. What advice would you give? Would it be developing your assistant coaches yeah. and leading through them? I mean, I'm thinking of Urban Meyer, you know, again, other people who have historically been known to have a great culture. What insights do you have to that? Well, I think it's all about the staff. I think you really have to coach your coaches, so to speak, yep. in those situations. I think, you know, over the years, uh, several several of our former players have gotten into coaching, and, and we've had uh, – I have coached more college – kids that have gone on to play college football than college basketball – and a lot of those kids have become coaches, and many of them have ended up coaching basketball, even the guys that, that maybe were better football players. And one of the things they always tell me is it's just so much more intimate. Mm. Your ability to, to, uh, to lead and kind of have, as you say, know everyone and kind of have your thumb yep. on every area of it, it just feels, um, from a cultural standpoint, better to them. So in those sports like football, I always have great admiration for football coaches that can build a culture the right way because I think it is clearly, clearly more challenging than, than what we do as basketball coaches just because of the people. And so the same thing with the situation where you're talking about your church. I think it, it is, it is uh, so important who, who you hire and then when you hire them, your continued development yeah. And then the continued time that you spend so that they share your vision. And of course, I, you know, it's always important that, that they are, you know, we don't want to be 10 soldiers. Everybody has to add their own value and their own unique personality. But, but uh, at the same point, let's make sure that we share the same vision and that we are trying to, to uh, you know, build the culture in a very similar mm-hmm. uh, in a like fashion. Tell, tell coach about your, uh, I was going to ask one question. Yeah, go ahead. So when it comes then to like delegating that responsibility and actually leading through leaders, what are some of the initial challenges of having to let go of? Because you're you're not, I mean, being the senior leader, it's one thing to be giving the commands. It's one thing to be, but like we're talking about when you lead hundreds of people, or even in your instance, when you have a JV team and a freshman team and you let them go, what are some of those challenges and what are some of the benefits? 
Well, I mean, the benefits are ultimately, I think, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to put, you know, fo focus on the things that are most important to you as a leader. Like we all have a list of priorities. And I think that sometimes when you string yourself out too thin, that you become average at everything and you're not really good at the things that, that are most important. And so I think that's the advantage to delegating for sure. And then I, I you know, I'm not good at, at, at delegating. I'm, I'm still a work in progress for certain in every area, but certainly that one. I'm better now than I've ever been. But, you know, it's, it's again, as there's that, that trust word is so important. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to, as a former player at that time, if, if, uh, if you're going to share the vision that I have, I, I have to earn your trust. And so that is, that's a two-way thing. And I think it's no different than your staff is, uh, you know, we, we have built trust over the course of years that has allowed me to delegate more yeah. and more. And then because I have trust that the people that we have in those positions are going to do a great job. And I think sometimes it's just letting go. I think it's important. You know, we have young coaches that are developing and it's important for me to let go. You know, the more you micromanage, sometimes you don't allow people to make the kinds of mistakes um, to put their own personal touch and have their own ownership which mm -hmm. is another important word uh, that we use in, in this to so that they will hopefully invest even more yeah. in our culture and in our program and then uh in that way allow them to develop so some of it i think is is okay we've we've met we've discussed it we've continued to develop and now go do your thing mm -hmm. and then obviously it's my job when when i see things where i can improve that is, is to continue to lead them and and then what happens too is you hope that the staff's coming back to you is you know i'm the i'm the head coach so as the leader that they're coming back and they're serving to make me better and challenging me uh, as an old school guy for some of the young guys to impart some of the new school values that I think are important, particularly for our, our players. Like, they're, they're the same age and I'm getting older. Yeah. Like <laughs> letting people wear a headband. Well, look, there's only one guy that I've ever let wear a headband <laughs> and, uh, there's discussion. Cause you know, our little guy Kipton still, still, if you ask him who is all time favorite Jaguar player, it's Jackson Murphy and he doesn't hesitate. His brothers don't like that, but that's real. <laughs> and so every now and then when his hair gets long, he will discuss, he will still put the headband on. And I still say there's only one player <laughs> that has ever worn a headband for us and that will ever wear one. And that's you. That's so funny. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, tell coach that, that same, and I've heard you say the influence of being in the program, but the number of small groups and coaches, and it's that same mm -hmm. building a culture, how that's carried over here and you're implementing it. Yeah. Um, just saying, just kind of explain what, yeah. what I've been. So it's really, it's that, that whole care. delegation and care that you're talking about, where since I've joined the team here, we have over 120 leaders just at this campus for leading small groups and stepping in as the point person, like I realized there's no way for me to actually impact these leaders in a meaningful way. Like I can't get enough coffees, I can't meet with enough people. So I started then just recruiting and developing this team of coaches. So I have 15 coaches then, each coach is over five to seven leaders and then they're pouring in, they're growing these leaders, caring for them, connecting with them. And then I really have my team. And so it's, it's I mean, it's essentially what yeah. you're saying how I'd be spreading myself way too thin. Sure. But implementing that is, that's awesome. I got another question before we dive into the last section here. You're a routine guy. Mm -hmm. Your fundamentals, consistency. This past year has been anything but that. 
you missed an incredibly important month in June, which is high school, you know, kind of team month. Um, How have you had to adjust your approach in the midst of COVID with just all the stuff that's happening? Yeah, it's a, it's a daily struggle for me. Uh, um, I am routine based. I, I think that, you know, the reality is if someone came to a game and watched me coach, uh, you know, that the, the fire and the passion, uh, the demands on our players sometimes probably looks unreasonable to, you know, my voice doesn't carry. So what a lot of people don't realize, like, I, I have to work to be heard. So it looks like, you know, the veins come out and I am screaming, but I have to for them to hear. So it 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 appears worse than it is sometimes to the, <laughs> the person that doesn't understand maybe competition. And I say that because I'm always, I'm, you know, I wish I could be different in those moments. So being patient is, is, is not something that I've been good at, uh, that I'm constantly trying to work better. And so when you add adversity in the times, what you're talking about is a couple things with that. The, the summer is such an important part, not just in the basketball, but really more so. Look, when you don't have games that count in the near future, I, I'm more patient. I, I, there are so many more moments in the summer where a player can see me as a real person, if that makes sense. There are just so many more relaxed moments. Uh, you know, th- this whole circumstance, uh, being able to, the kids to even go to Chipotle and eat together more has been taken from us. Extra time in the gym, extra conversations aside from basketball. And so with that, what, what I'm saying is when you're demanding, when the game's on, when it becomes, in this circumstance, I feel like it's just been too much basketball. Now we can't change that at this point in the season. And I, I feel like we've just missed a lot of the, the deep relationship building so that when you do demand and uh, from, from kids that, that, you know, are like I hope Peyton and Keaton and AJ and those guys that have been through it get it. But with our young players, you know, I feel like there's a little bit of a gap there. So that pressure to handle that part of it, to feel like that uh, perhaps I haven't done as good a job as I could as a leader to, to build that relationship, some of which has obviously been out of my control. That, that, that's, it's been a struggle. It's been tough. But So you try to exercise some patience. You try to make sure that you understand you can't control everything, that you have to do the best under the circumstances. You know, We were quarantined during the season, never had to deal with that. And so have, having to navigate your way through that the best you can is, is a daily challenge that you know you hope you lean on the other leaders in the program you make the best decision for the team and and you move forward the uh i think and i really do believe you really do and your staff really does exude genuine love and care for the individual player and coupled equally with that is a i would say from my perspective a zero uh wavering we're gonna run your program And that's one of my highlights each year is the parent meeting at the very beginning where you just, Hey, we're here for your kids, but this is what, this is the Bradley program. These are our core values. Coaches coach, parents cheer, kids play. And we try to develop them. And I think that that's a winning combination. Well, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I, I think that that's come with experience. Um, and, 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 
I'll, I'll be the first to admit, and I and I think our teams would say the same. Uh, I, I find fault in every game I've ever coached, and I'm not I'm not uh, you know not afraid to admit. As a young coach, I was. I'm now not like I'm all right with. I want our team to know because we are in it together, and uh, I, there's not a game that I coach that I don't have regrets. You know, I wish I could have handled it with a different tone. I so and so should have played more. We should have done this. And so, you know, I'm no different than the players and our players don't play perfectly. And I have certainly not coached perfectly. And so that whole vision, look, I, as a staff, we've worked extremely hard. And we are going to make some mistakes, but we have a clear vision and a belief through through years of experience, through years of success. And so I, I think it is important that we all understand our roles. And I, I'm not going to stand in front of our parents and claim that we're perfect and certainly not going to believe that you're going to sit there and watch every game and not question. That's human nature. But but there there has to be a line. There has to be, everybody has to understand the expectations. And sometimes that can come off as blunt and maybe arrogant to some when I say those things, but but it is it's my job to lead and I have to have a clear vision. I don't have to be perfect, but I have to have a clear vision and going back to that what we were talking about earlier about that you know, exclusive like if if we don't stand for something we stand for nothing right whoever said that quote and so we're we're gonna we're gonna take a stand and we're gonna stay true to our core values and and uh not always do it perfectly but we're willing i'm willing through years of experience to to uh to make decisions and move forward and understand that it's our job as coaches to make those decisions and not not allow outside influences to uh, impact how we're gonna arrive at those decisions mm-hmm I think it was, uh, we were having a conversation at the house a while ago, and my mom asked the question, well, what would happen if you showed up 30 minutes late to film? (laughs) And Peyton and I just kind of looked at each other, and there isn't, like, a punishment attached to that. that, That just doesn't happen. And it's almost like how, it's just crazy because that's built into the individual, like it's not here's our set of rules you're going to do 50 push-ups you're going to run until you throw up you just don't do that yeah i mean there was when when i was young we had a rule for everything and i believe if you count sprinting the the length of the court that's one that's a line it was it was 10 lines per minute late to anything over the course of time what i realized is that I, and this is my opinion is if you have a relationship with with everyone in your program and and that relationship foundationally is built on trust and it's built on having a you know a like-mindedness and a shared passion that i I don't think it things like that need to be punished Hmm. i really feel like and it it hasn't happened much occasionally happens with a young player still trying to figure out whether they really want to embrace our culture you, you know, you have conversations. And, and so ultimately, it's no different than, than someone that goes to a job, like being reliable. Yeah. Uh, people around you, teammates in our case, being able to count on you is, is really important, really important. And so we're, we're going to hold people accountable. And again, not by making them run necessarily. Sometimes with a young player, we'll do that. But uh, but certainly, you know, some people also have equity buildup. I mean, Peyton Murphy has equity buildup and he, he might not feel like it some nights, but he does. And so if he were to make an error like that, it would be so uncommon for him that I would like to think you have a quick conversation. He probably would feel 
plenty of guilt before that because not because he's afraid of me i hope that might be some of it but more like you have an obligation to our group to oh, yeah. he belongs to, to the team that's correct yeah. and so it's no different than our families or our places of work if it's a place you love going to work you just overwhelmingly feel that sense of obligation. And that's really important. Uh, and really something that with our core people like yourself uh, has been so cool that to see young people, again, it's very uncommon. And the other thing about all this with young people, based on the way our generation parents uh, and the way we educate, uh, they don't get it en enough. And yep. so it is rare to be told no, it's not good enough, do it again. These are rare things and things that we talk about all the time. Like what we're asking you is not normal. And uh, so you got to choose to embrace it and trust that it's going to really serve you well in life. And then, you know, there are plenty of people, including people that you played with when we made that transition mm -hmm. that had plenty of talent, but just chose not. And which, again, is understand and respect that it's not going to be for everything. But the everybody. minute you start to dilute to allow people into the exclusive program that don't fully embrace, you yeah. killed everybody. You do. You lost you, everything. You, you lose everything. And I, again, I go back to that. Like we'll, we'll have a little bit more leeway with our junior high kids and our freshmen. And that's another thing that's, that's really new to Bradley. What I realized is you can kind of have one culture and then have subcultures where your standards for young people, you might, lower them a little bit as they're developing mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. you're going to have those conversations you may run a young player if he's late given your example mm -hmm. but but so look but in order to play to be a part of us our program all the way through to be a varsity basketball player there is a high standard that we will not negotiate that we won't waver on but as we develop when you think about like we've got you know 13 14 12 year olds in our program that takes time. Mm -hmm. And so at one point in our career, we just, everybody had the same standard and, and we were losing some young kids. And so we had to further educate and educate and educate and then educate the parents as well. Mm -hmm. And then and then you hope what they do is over time, by the time it's important uh, enough to our varsity kids that you hope that they've embraced it. And if they haven't by then, then it's time to part ways. I think one of the reasons I love sport so much growing up playing is it does teach skill sets lessons for life. There was a season I loved to play. Then I found myself, I got to a season I liked to see, I got more joy out of watching my kids play. And now it's, you know, my kids, and then it's seeing other people. It's helping others become better. And even like uh, Peyton came home the other day, and uh, first question, what'd you learn? What'd you do? What'd you work on? And he'll say, it was a good practice. We had good energy, you know, whatever. Then he, he said, we watched a TED Talk uh, about dealing with adversity. And obviously, team recently came off quarantine, maybe had tired legs, whatever. Lost. Great. What do we learn from it? How do we get better? As a dad, forget the whole program, but as a dad, I'm like, okay, that's, that's a team that's on the same core value system we are because we all face adversity in life. We're all gonna have challenges. We're all gonna have things we think's not fair, whatever. But go back to your core values, grit, resiliency, determination, get better, prepare as best you can, control what you can control, and you, gotta, you just gotta get through it. I love that. 
And I know that's, again, take away. This is 139 and 19, what I, and that's ridiculous. But I think your greatest contribution just as a parent mm -hmm. is what you're shaping these young men, boys who are becoming men, to experience true success in life. I don't know I've heard you talk about the impact yeah. just one year. Yeah. I mean, w we got lunch a few months ago. We did? And I told you, I mean, it's crazy to think It was that an emotional lunch, by the way. It was, yeah. yeah. For but me. Si yeah. <laughs> six years being removed from the program, I think it's it's almost, it's given me time to really like reflect back. And it was really, it was this last year when Olivia, my wife and I, when we were living in Kentucky and I was studying graduate school seminary, mm -hmm. And I, I was, I started thinking. It was when I was filming one of the videos, and I was like, the habits, and just the routines and the discipline, the culture that was instilled in me, for like the nine months really that we had with each other, has like no doubt made me a better husband, a better man, a better pastor. And like when I reflect back, what is it now about being the head coach? of a boys varsity basketball team that's different than maybe earlier in your career. Because I, I think even when we had our conversation, you you truly understand the fact, take the records out, like you're building young men to like yeah. find their purpose. Yeah. Well, I just think, you know, it's life experience. You know, the, 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 you know as you, the longer you go, like you get you get the proper dose of humility served mm. um you have children you raise a family you understand the unique love that a parent has for their children and and then you know just you know hopefully if if we evolve and improve in life and i'd like to think at 51 i'm the best version of myself uh still have a lot of work to do but but um and and so you do realize that uh, that that that's that's the magic. That's really what I've and it's really what I think has made me a better coach. Is that's where I've arrived. Mm. When you talk about the records, and I, as honest as I can be, I, I wish that was more important right now because it is incredible, and it was so important. You know, when you're young, you know, I, I had this. I know, I guess, insecurity. And, and you're constantly trying to, to validate yourself. Mm. And the way you validate, unfortunately, yourself in the coaching profession is your team needs to win. Yeah. Um, and, and so you become consumed just with that. And I'm listen, I love to compete. The outcome is important. I love that. But, but um, if, if, if in any way, which I think you're probably giving way too much credit to what we did in nine months, but if in any way... Uh, it can enhance your life, the life of the the kids that we've coached. That's the coolest thing, and I and I and I I do know it does for those that embrace it. Because as I said earlier, I, you know, asking for someone's best, mentally, physically, emotionally, every day, you know, our core values together with passion, grit, and honor every day to hold people accountable to those core values. It's hard for me. It's harder for a teenager. But but when you do that, think you you serve young people really well. And I do think 
you know, I, hopefully I, I'm evolving and I have some new school approach to, to the way we do things now. But that those old school values, I think we've lost a little bit of um, that, that I think our parents generation perhaps had a little bit better handle of. And I so I, I do still believe that those old school values that we were taught, I think, uh, hold hold a greater advantage for young people now than they ever have because mm -hmm. it's so rare. And and uh, and it is the most important. Uh, the time that I enjoy now with with our players the most is when they're done, hmm. and we become hopefully more like friends, mm -hmm. and and uh, have lunch, grab a beer, whatever it might be. And 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 I, I just I love that. I love being a part of their life mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Well, coach, you have again. We've got one more. Our last one has two. Another this year, and one more year in your program. After that, we're your biggest cheerleaders. Thank you. What you got going is really special. Yeah, I appreciate that. I told you with Braden, you enjoy the ride as a dad too. Yeah. Because it goes six years removed from the program. It goes so fast. Yeah. I appreciate your time, Jackson and I. Um, there's so many times, literally, your influence is not just with those kids. There's times I literally have said, I wonder what Brett would do right here. And how would he handle this? Would he let it slide? No, he would not. He would love. <laughs> he would lovingly say, "Guys, that's that's not good enough. We got to do this again. We got to get it done." And it's not just the success on the court; it's your influence off the court. So, thank you so much for, for sharing sure. with us. Anything for the Murphys? Anything. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the More with Murphy podcast. It's our hope that listening will help you discover and embrace more in your life. If you enjoyed today's episode. Go ahead and subscribe and feel free to share. You can also help us achieve more on the podcast by writing a review of the show. Positive reviews help us reach new listeners, grow the show, get new and exciting guests, and tell us what content you are loving. Who knows, we might just read your review on the show. Did you know that we also give five of you free coffee every episode? All you have to do is take a screenshot while you're listening, tag at Ken W. Murphy, and post it to your Instagram story. We'll pick five random winners and send you a Starbucks gift card. Finally, if you want to learn more about our guests or the resources mentioned on the show, check out our website at morewithmurphy.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for more with Murphy.